to God's word and to the book of the prophet Ezra, chapter 7. Here we have the account of the arrival of prophet Ezra in Jerusalem. He came with a second wave of exile from Babylon. So we read these words, Ezra chapter 7. Now after these things, during the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, son of Sariah, arrived in Jerusalem. At verse 6, he arrived from Babylon. He was a teacher well versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. The king had granted him everything he asked for. The hand of the Lord his God was on him. Some of the Israelites, including the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants, also came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. He began his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month, and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord, and to his teaching, its decrees and laws in Israel. This is a copy of the letter King Artaxerxes had given to Ezra, the priest and teacher, a man learned in matters concerning the commands and decrees of the Lord for Israel. Artaxerxes, King of Kings, to Ezra, the priest, a teacher of the law of the God of heaven. Now I declare that any of the Israelites in my kingdom, including priests and Levites, who wish to go to Jerusalem, may go with you. You are sent by the king and his seven advisers to inquire about Judah and Jerusalem with regard to the law of your God, which is in your hand. Moreover, you are to take with you the silver and gold the king and advisers have freely given to the God of Israel. Those dwelling in Jerusalem, together with all the silver and gold you may obtain from the province of Babylon, as well as the freewill offerings of the people and priests the temple of their God in Jerusalem. With this money, be sure to buy bulls, rams, male lambs, together with the grain offerings and drink offerings, and sacrifice them on the altar of the temple of your God in Jerusalem. You and your brother Jews may then do whatever seems best for the rest of the silver and gold in accordance with the will of your God. Deliver to the God of Jerusalem all the articles entrusted to you for worship in the temple of your God, and anything else needed for the temple of your God that you may have occasion to supply, you may provide from the royal treasury. Now I, King Artaxerxes, order all the treasures of the trans-Euphrates to provide with diligence whatever Ezra, the priest, a teacher of the law of the God of heaven, may ask of you. Up to a hundred talents of silver, a hundred cores of wheat, a hundred bars of wine, a hundred bars of olive oil, and salt without limit. Whatever the God of heaven has prescribed, let it be done with diligence for the temple of the God of heaven. Why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? You are also to know that you have no authority to impose taxes, tribute, or duty on any of the priests, Levites, singers, and gatekeepers, temple servants, and other workers at this house of God. And you, Ezra, in accordance with the wisdom of your God, which you possess, appoint magistrates and judges 
to administer justice to all the people of Trans-Euphrates, all who know the laws of your God, you are to teach any who do not know them. Whoever does not obey the law of your God, the law of the king, must surely be punished by death, banishment, confiscation of property, or imprisonment. Praise be to the Lord, the God of our fathers, who has put it into the king's heart to bring honour to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way, and who has extended his good favour to me before the king and his advisers and all the king's powerful officials, because the hand of the Lord my God was on me. I took courage and God leading men from Israel to go up with me. And may God add his blessing to this reading from his holy word. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven this day, we give you thanks for your revealed word to us and what we can learn from it. Open our eyes, Father, this day to behold wondrous things from your word for Christ's sake. Amen. We've been looking at Ezra over the last number of weeks. We're moving towards the end of of this uh, book of the prophet Ezra. Ezra, as I said, came in about 458 BC in a second wave of exiles from Babylon back up into Judah and to Jerusalem. He came with the express wish of this king of Babylon or of Persia, as it was then, King Artaxerxes. I read the letter to you. He gave clear instructions to the people what they were to do. So previously, God raised up Haggai and Zechariah and Jerubbabel and Jeshua to lead the people of God. Now Ezra arrives. A man is described as someone who loved God's word. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord, to his teachings, his decrees and laws in Israel. It's described as by the king as someone who was learned in matters concerning the commands and decrees of the Lord for Israel. So Ezra stood out as, yes, a priest, clergyman, we could say, a teacher of God's word. He was very clearly someone like that. But he, God had raised him up as a leader to lead the people of God. And leaders, as said, can make a difference, particularly godly leaders. And Ezra was such a man, a godly leader, who was going to make a difference. That's what the late President Nixon in America said. He made a difference, didn't he? If you remember that time, Watergate. But no, Ezra was different. Ezra was a man of God, and he was going to make a difference. First of all, we read about his character. It said in verse there 6, For the hand of the Lord his God was on him. Ezra was someone who loved God. God's hand was on him. God had touched his life. He come and he trusted in God and followed God. That can be so for any one of us. God can touch all of our lives with his salvation. God can touch our lives when we're in need, when we have trials, concerns, fears and anxieties in ordinary life, daily life, when we're going through this terrible, fearful, uncertain, dark, despairing days. God wants to touch our lives to give us the assurance from his word that he is with us. 
He'll bring us through this difficult time. He will do it for our good to draw us deeper and closer to him and for his glory. But God wants to touch our lives. He's shown that most clearly in sending Jesus Christ into the world and dying on the cross for our sins and for our salvation so as he can touch our lives, cleanse them from sin when we turn in repentance and faith towards God and in Jesus Christ. He will touch our lives, cleanse us from sin, give us a new fresh start and he will also uh, touch our lives day and daily. And he does day and daily touch our lives. The daily things we have of life, we take for granted, that's God's touch on our lives. But when we're in needs, anxieties, concerns, God touches our lives. And I said, chiefly in sending Jesus Christ. He wants to touch our lives. It also says that because Ezra was someone whose God's hand was on his life, God was going to use Ezra. He used him by his godly living to touch the life of the king and the king was favourable towards Ezra and sending him back he allowed Ezra because Ezra loved God to become an important person to appoint magistrates and judges to administer justice so he just didn't send him back to teach God's word he sent him back to put right things were wrong in the land of Judah and it says that they were people who were to know the law of your God these people that Ezra would appoint were people who also loved God. So the king, even though he was a pagan king, saw God living Ezra's life. He saw God had touched Ezra's life. And he allowed Ezra not only to go back and teach God's word to the people to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, but also to put in place a political, stable political regime or government at a local level in Jerusalem and Judah. God's hand, that's how our lives should be. When God touches our lives, they should be transformed. We become a new person in Christ. And God should be seen to be living in our lives. If we say we have faith in Christ, it should be seen to those around us. Remember Daniel? He became a great governor under one of the kings, Nebuchadnezzar. Joseph was put in charge in Potiphar's house and in the prison because they saw that God was with Joseph. Their lives stood out. So should our lives be like that. When God touches our lives, it should be change them, transform them, make them like Jesus, and they should be living out in the community, in our families, wherever we are. God should be seen. So Ezra was someone whose hand God was on his life, whose life God had touched. But I want to focus for nearly a few moments on the very fact of Ezra's love of God and God's word. Verse 10 says, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord, to its teaching, its decrees and laws in Israel. It says in verse 11, he was a man learned in matters concerning the commands and decrees of the Lord for Israel. Ezra, first of all, he wanted to seek God, God's word, to study it, practice it and teach it. He said he devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord. Now, it wasn't 
all the whole Bible we have. It was just the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. And particularly the study of Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. All five books were written by Moses. But in those three books, Numbers, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, was all God's laws, how the people were to live in relation to, to God, to other people and to all the nations around them. So he, Ezra, sat down and he studied God's word. In other words, to study it, he had to read it. And what I'm trying to say to you today is, that's what we want to do. We don't have to be academics to study God's word. It's there in front of us. We can go to the Bible shop and get Bible reading notes to help us understand maybe difficult passages. But we can sit down and read God's word, the Bible. It shouldn't be a toil. It, shouldn't, it should be a joy and delight to us. We should be like the psalmist in Psalm 1, whose delight was in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. It should be our daily portion. Yes, we can live daily, very busy lives. Maybe lockdown was, and us been closed in, was a time when we could have used it to read God's word and spend time with God. The business of this world is so mad. I hope a second lockdown doesn't come. We fear it. But maybe God wants to talk, teach us, you haven't learned the first time. You're going to have to learn the second time. Slow down, stop, take time for what's important. And one of the important things spending time with God in prayer and in God's word. He devoted himself to the study of God's word. You know, it's a sad thing that in church life, when we had the Bible study in the church, it's one of the poorest attended church meetings. I'm sure, I hope we do read the Bible every day at home. We try in church here to provide quarterly Bible reading notes for you. As I said in the, in the shop, in Anniskillen, the real life, there's ample various types of Bible reading notes. But the important thing is sitting down and reading the Bible, not just for the sake of doing it, tick it off today, I've read the Bible today, but using it as an opportunity to sit down and have time with God and God alone, you and God together. Ask God, you read a passage to help you to understand it, to speak to you through it, to give you some words of encouragement, maybe a challenge, maybe a rebuke, maybe a correction, but God gave us his word, his eternal word. It's not just for that day and generation. People today doubt God's word. People dismiss God's word today. People ignore God's word today. People twist God's word today. But it's God has given his word. It's from him. It's all. Timothy, Second Timothy read, it's all scripture. It's God breathed. God breathed it out. Just as you breathe out. Is useful for teaching. So we need to be taught how to live the Christian life, how to live in relation to God and other people. So God gave it for that purpose of teaching, rebuking, not scolding. When someone does something wrong, you scold them, don't you? A child does wrong, you scold them. And so God gives us word to scold us when we've done wrong. It's also correct us. If you make a mistake, if someone says, no, that's not the right way, this is the right way, that's correcting someone. And so God gives us his word to correct us, train us as righteousness, train us how to live the Christian life in relation to God and to other people. So the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we can live the Christian life effectively, faithfully, 
every day. So God has given us the book, the Bible. It's not just a storybook, it's God's special book. I'm sure you know and understand that. But if we do, then it's important we read it every day of our lives. Just as you take bread, milk, part of our staple diet, you wouldn't go without food for days on end. You wouldn't go without food uh, for a whole week, would you? Unless you were desperately ill. You wouldn't uh, not take staple food every day for your own health's sake. So we need God's word for our spiritual health as well. Ezra not only studied God's word, but he also he wanted to obey it. The observance of the law of the Lord. He wanted to observe it. It wasn't just enough for him to read it and go away and forget about it, close the book, that's done. He wanted to observe it, carry it out in his life. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A light is so important to guide us, warn us and direct us in the darkness. So in the darkness of this world, we need the light of God's word of Christ as our saviour in our lives. But we need God's word as a light and encourage him to strengthen this life, particularly in this very difficult time. We need to trust more in God and in the word of God. We need to learn God's word. We need to listen to God's word. And we need to live it out. That's what Ezra wanted to do. And we say, well, that's okay. That's what he was called to do. He was, after all, a teacher and a priest. But no, it's not just for an elite few God's word. It's for everybody. Because we're all meant to live in relationship to God. And God has given his word for every one of us to live it out in our lives. That's what I tried to point out this morning when we read Psalm 19. The various words used. But read it when you go home. It tells you all the different things that God's word can do. It can revive us, refresh us, encourage us. It can correct us as well. So we need God's word for those very important principles in our lives and in our living. So Ezra wanted to study God's word and he wanted to observe it and live it out in his life each and every day. In our prayer books, and we'll be using it in this prayer in a couple of weeks' time, but for Bible Sunday, but it tells us there very clearly why God has given us the Bible. Blessed Lord who caused all holy scriptures written for our learning. Clearly, he sent his word, he breathed out, it was written down for us to learn, to help us to hear, to read, to mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. In other words, we're to hear God's word, not only with our outward ears, but our inner spiritual ears. We're to read God's word. We're to mark it, that means remember it. Again, it reminds us to learn it, and inwardly digest, just as you have food and it uh, becomes part of your body when you digest it, so also we learn that we must make God's word part of our lives. It says that through patience, that's continual reading of God's word, we'll find comfort from it, and through it we can embrace and hold fast the hope of everlasting life. God's word points us to Jesus Christ and to the eternal life we have in Jesus Christ. So God's word is vital. God's word is important to us. It's not just, as I said earlier, for the chosen few. It's for all of us. And so we can use it. 
But the wonderful thing here was that, as I said, Ezra was a man of God. He loved God's word. He was seen by the king. The king, this pagan king, encouraged the worship of God and the people to worship God. And he was very strict, wasn't he? He said they would be put to death. They were banished, confiscated of their property and imprisonment. It was pretty severe, wasn't it, from a pagan king? Could you imagine the government of the day saying, if you don't go to church, if you don't read your Bible, if you don't pray, this is going to happen to you? We'd think of a very dictatorial government, wouldn't we? Would it be the king there? Although he didn't really love God, he knew something about God through the life of Ezra. And his desire was that God's people should be God's people. They should be doing what God's people, God expects of his people. Worshipping him, praying to him, following the teaching of his word. And so that's a lesson to us. From here was a king who didn't know little anything about God. But his desire was that people would worship God. He even provided for all the materials and the articles. And he said that people were to worship God in the temple. And he gave the materials that he needed to do it. They were to buy the, the animals for the sacrifices. So you see the importance of God's word. The importance of worshipping God. The importance of us living a life in relationship with God. These things are all found in this passage this morning. But note the last thing is that Ezra praised God. Praise be to the Lord, the God of our fathers, who has put into the king's heart to bring honour to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way, who has extended his good favour to me before the king and his advisors and all the powerful officials. And Ezra says, Because the hand of the Lord my God was on me. He praised God for God raising up this king to allow them back to Jerusalem and to Jerusalem. But he said it was because God's hand was on his life. I start off by saying but Ezra was someone who God's hand was on. And he here witnessed now, personally it says this phrase, hand of God was on me. I wonder today, do we thank God that his hand is on our lives? Thank God that his hand is on our lives. That his hand is on our lives for every day that the measure of good health we have. If we don't have it, yet we can thank God his hand is on our lives then too. Because he wants to draw near to those who are in need, who are in bereavement, illness, anxiety, care and concern. We can personally, I trust, say, God's hand was on my life. That's the bottom line folks of all we're going through at this moment in time we need God more and more than ever our country needs God more and more than ever would do, and I said last week more people would be desirous in prayer yes we all talk and we're caring, concerned and anxious rightly so but let's cast our cares on the one who cares for us know us touch upon our lives and upon our community and upon our country and upon our government leaders that we would know the touch of God that we would trust in God and the Saviour Jesus Christ that we would daily feed in God's word and derive the great strength we have from the promises of God and above all the great strength we have 
of a salvation in Jesus Christ our Saviour. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word that you have given to us, your eternal word, your holy word, your inspired word given from yourself and all we can learn from it. As we thought about Ezra this morning who honoured you with his life and with his lips, who loved your word and loved to read it, study it, to obey it, to live it out, who loved to desire the people would worship God and focus on God. So we pray, Father, we may gather blessing, strength and help from the essentials of a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Saviour and Lord, a true desire to worship you, give our lives each day to you, and to follow your word and all that it teaches us. In Jesus' name, Amen.